0: So, again, welcome. Hopefully you're in the right place. This is the session where we're going to talk about um, how to deliver some new techniques for securing um, not just SaaS and web applications, but also um, remote Windows applications, remote network applications, and how you can combine AWS infrastructure and Citrix software In some unique ways and so hopefully you're here to hear about Citrix and you're in the right place if you're not Um, So I'm gonna introduce myself. My name's Steve Wilson and um, I lead the product team at Citrix for all of our cloud initiatives Um, I'm gonna have Marissa Schmidt joining me a little bit later from our networking team She's senior director of products and she'll be talking about some of the specific networking technologies and how they integrate into AWS um, it's kind of three sections to this presentation, so I'll just kind of give you the overview before we dive in. Um, first thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at some existing organizations who are using Citrix and AWS together and give you an idea what some of those um, use cases look like, how people are using it today, or you know, how they've even been using it for the last few years because we've had people running Citrix and AWS together for a long time. So you'll see what some of those current deployments look like. Then we're gonna get into the next generation of workspace technologies. And workspace is really the term that we're now using more broadly to describe everything that we're doing around end user computing. So this has to do with remoting of Windows applications, but also with a new set of technologies for securing SaaS and web applications. And we'll deep dive into that section. I'll show you how that works what that means for security on the endpoint as well as on the server side. And then Marissa is going to come up and talk through some of the latest and greatest on the networking side. She's going to talk through some new technologies that we have for monitoring, and improving the performance of distributed applications, um, load balancing across them, um, look at some of our new technologies like intelligent traffic management, which is really, really cool. And Marissa will also be doing a demo of that at the end. So, with that, let's just dive in and kick it off. So, um, as I said, we've had people using um, Citrix on AWS for a long time. we we'll me do a quick survey. How many of you out there are actually currently deploying some set of Citrix technology on AWS? All right, so, pretty low percentage, I'd say, you know, sub 10. Um, That means I got a lot of um, people here who are ready to take their first steps with this. So let's dive in. You know, when we look at the advantages of using Citrix and AWS together, um, you know, obviously time to market's a big deal. We all know the ability to get new VMs and infrastructure spun up on Amazon. Um, Presumably everybody here is already doing stuff on Amazon one way or another or thinking about it. And really, you know, obviously the global reach is another key um, perspective on this. So, you know, when we look at Citrix Cloud, and Citrix Cloud, um, just to kind of clarify on this point, a lot of people think Citrix Cloud and wonder, you know, hey, how does Citrix Cloud and something like AWS, do they compete with each other? do they overlap? Um, there's actually very little overlap between the two because one of the things about Citrix Cloud is about what we don't offer, and that's any kind of infrastructure as a service. Um, and what that means is that um, it's very complementary between AWS and Citrix Cloud. Citrix Cloud is really a set of management services for your, primarily your end user computing environment. And so what that means is that within Citrix Cloud, we host infrastructure. Um, Well, we don't host infrastructure, but we host our services for things like analytics, endpoint management, um, file management, and things like management of virtual applications and virtual desktops. Where you actually host those applications is up to you, and that could be in an on-prem data center or colo. It could be in one of the major public clouds such as AWS. And so if AWS is your preferred choice for infrastructure, storage as a service, you can go ahead and leverage that. You can connect the two. Citrix Cloud will take care of managing at the layer where you think about applications, desktops, end users, things that are user-facing. Obviously, you're gonna continue to use um, the infrastructure management at the AWS layer. And then there's a connection right at the boundary between the two where you can go to to um, Citrix Cloud, create what we call a resource location, which could be a zone in um, AWS. And when you ask Citrix Cloud to say provision a new virtual desktop, it'll actually go down, talk to the Amazon APIs, spin up a VM, provision the right image to it, and then hand it back to you. So it abstracts away a lot of the management pieces once you're up and running. I think I've got four quick customer case studies that just show some of the examples of how people are using this together today. So um, this is a financial example, a lot of mission-critical workloads, and the key thing here is it's about um, disaster recovery. This particular um, customer... a very large financial services customer. They told me they settle something like $1.5 quadrillion worth of trades every month. Um, That's more money than there is in the world. It's just a high velocity thing. And so they have a lot of really um, impactful disaster recovery requirements from the US government um, because the New York Stock Exchange will stop working if they stop working. Um, And so they used to run two completely distinct data centers. Um, fully owned both of them um, and owned all the equipment in all of them. And then every few years they would have to drag all the equipment out of one of them, refresh them. Um, But the fact is it did nothing for most months out of the year. Um, In fact, it was only a few days every year where they'd do a failover test to make sure it worked and then they'd shut it back down. Um, What they did actually as their first move to the cloud was they moved their DR to AWS. They shut down one of those data centers They kept one of their on-prem data centers as their primary because they were comfortable with that. They knew that that would keep working while they made their first steps to the cloud. They then created uh, Citrix Cloud Resource Zone in AWS and they actually run that continuously at one or 2% of capacity all the time. They don't need to do failover tests to see if it's working because they're always using a little bit of it. It's always hot. And if they ever do have a disaster event, they just spin up more and more VMs in the Amazon side. And they know that they can do that very quickly because the capacity's there. So things like disaster recovery, um, really common way for customers to start their kind of journey to the cloud from a Citrix perspective. Um, appliance manufacturer, you know, totally different from uh, you know financial services. Uh, got a different end user case looking around things like mobile devices, How do they manage them? How do they secure their mobile devices? They're using what we call the Citrix Endpoint Management Service served out of the cloud um, to do this. Um, But they're using AWS to host their workloads. And then we've got a health insurance company. They're looking really for a hybrid environment. We do see these kind of hybrid environments very common in Citrix because Citrix has been used a lot over the years to host what I'll called legacy workloads. So They have things that are very closely bound, sometimes, to on-prem infrastructure. And so rather than move them entirely to the cloud quickly, they build a hybrid-type environment. And so they've been moving um, some of these on-prem resources to the cloud. And I'll get more into the details of kind of how you manage these on-prem environments. Or sorry, these hybrid environments as you go through this. Um, Here's another financial one. This is another disaster recovery example, um, increasingly common. So with that kind of background, you see there's a lot of people using AWS and Citrix together. I want to kind of get into this journey of how do you start to take um, your on-prem infrastructure and start to migrate to the cloud? You know, We saw out there that we had maybe 10% of the people who are already leveraging. Um, Citrix in the cloud. So let's start talking about where a lot of people start out, which is traditional on-prem data center. You've got your database technologies, your packaged applications, your custom applications, and your existing servers and storage that you own. Um, Nice and conveniently wrap a firewall around it all that sets up a security perimeter, and if anybody needs to get at it from um, the outside world, Um, They'll use a technology like VPN to do it. It's pretty simple. It's amazingly brittle. It's capital intensive. Um, It's not super agile. Um, So obviously, we're all into the cloud here. So the obvious thing to do is get rid of all those servers and storage and move all this stuff to the cloud. Who did this? Nobody did this. Um, I've talked to many people who've tried. Um, If you're doing anything non-trivial, I mean, let's face it, we all know the poster child for sort of fully native AWS is something like Netflix, right? Netflix didn't move their infrastructure to AWS, they just built infrastructure in AWS. Um, For an enterprise, it's a much different journey. And you know, there's all these reasons that it is different, right? You've got governance and security issues, I've got data gravity issues, I don't want to get locked into one cloud. Most of all, I just have inertia. I've been doing stuff one way forever. It takes me a long time to move to something new. So with all these things considered, let's look at how this really evolves. So I've got my data center. I've got a set of resources that are on-prem. Some of those may move to the cloud. Others of them may stay on-prem for some period of time what happens though is you start to see things getting added in the cloud and you know frankly for a lot of customers the first thing that got added was infrastructure as a service you know going back 10 plus years some brave administrators started renting vms on a credit card and and we all know the ability to spin up a vm and have a new machine in minutes rather than going and talking to the procurement department and having it take weeks or months of approvals and forklifts and racking and stacking. Um, That was a way that that this got started. But it's actually much more complicated than that when you look at the full cloud picture. It's not just infrastructure as a service. Um, Next thing that happens is people start to move some line of business applications. Maybe you take an old Oracle CRM system, and you retire it, and you move to Salesforce. And then the last one, um, and this is one that I see with almost every customer I talk to these days, is your Office productivity applications. Um, If you're on Microsoft Office, um, Microsoft is busily pushing everybody to Office 365. If you're not there yet, you will get there. The only way you don't get there is you switch to something like G Suite in which case you're already in the cloud. So we we see this trajectory where all of the office productivity applications are going to the cloud. So once you've got some infrastructure in the cloud, you've got an important line of business app in the cloud, you've got some productivity stuff in the cloud, any objections that your security and compliance, um, all of those kinds of functions in the company have had to figure out how to digest cloud at that point. And so at that point, what you start to see is more and more of these dots popping up. And it happens at different rates inside different organizations. But the key thing here is that I'm now in what I call a hybrid multi-cloud environment. Um, I don't have a single cloud. I don't have a single data center. And most of all, I don't have a single security perimeter. Um, When you think about the old model, right, you still see that firewall wrapped around the data center. Where's your security perimeter on this slide? It's the internet. Um, So if you assume that your security perimeter is the internet, you need to fundamentally rethink your whole end user security posture. And that's where we get to this concept that um, we see really resonating with a lot of organizations that we call the secure digital workspace. And the idea is to take all of those resources, both the ones that continue to reside in your existing data center, as well as those that are in the public cloud, either infrastructure, SaaS, um, productivity applications. And we wrap these in a set of services. Um, Over on the left side of the slide there, you see a set of services for um, how to enhance the end user um, experience and end user productivity. One of the key things is we start to move more and more things to the cloud. They may get closer to the user. They may get further from the user, depending on where the user is. But it has the potential to dramatically change their user experience. You want to make their user experience better and not worse. Um, Over on the right side, we have a set of services that are aimed at the IT department and the administrators. And the idea is that these services are designed to help you manage this environment. Um, We'd like to say that moving to the cloud will make your life simpler. It won't. Um, Not by itself. It'll make your life more complicated. Again, you've you've dismantled your security perimeter. You're managing multiple clouds. um, You're managing new types of devices that are accessing all of this stuff. So you need a set of services that are going to help you manage that. And then really the key for this is adding a new layer or a new set of technologies that are designed to help you deal with these challenges. And one of the main ones that um, we see is using analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. And there are a lot of ways these are getting used today. Um, you know, we see it in the media all the time, self-driving cars, um, you know, computers beating uh, masters at chess and go. Um, but what we see is, in particular, with computer security as an example, and I'll deep dive into this a little bit as we go, um, this can be one of the major weapons in your arsenal, whereas as you dismantle sort of the traditional protections that you have around firewalls and things like that and move to a much more dynamic stance around how you're going to defend your end users and your assets, um, using big data, artificial intelligence, and machine learning is key. And so we've made that an integral part of the workspace. So from Citrix, what we've delivered now is called the Citrix Workspace app, which is kind of the end user view of this. It's an easy way for end users to digest all of this. And I'll show you what it looks like. But quite simply, what it is is it's a way to get to all of your applications, whether they be Windows applications, mobile applications, um, or SaaS web applications. A way to get to all of your contents and documents, regardless of where they're stored. And a way to get at this from virtually any device. And it's one of the things that we also see is the device landscape is just getting more complicated. You know, it used to be that we all had one desktop or one laptop, you'd say, this is my computer. Um, what we all have today is a personal cloud of devices that follow us around, right? I've got. A laptop, I've got a desktop at home, I've got a phone, I've got a watch, um, I've got an Amazon Alexa. I have all of these things that become part of my personal computing environment and maybe delivering parts of these applications. And so the workspace needs to factor those in as well. So when I look at the key technology components, and we'll start to break these down, um, you want to be able to get instant access to your on-prem and your cloud-hosted Windows applications. Um, Windows, obviously, continues to be prominent in the enterprise, and our ability to virtualize those and deliver them to any device is key. Um, Newer to the Citrix story is instant access to any SaaS application um, from the workspace um, with any browser, or in particular, with a browser that we've built into the workspace app. And I'll get into how that works and what the advantages of leveraging that are. There's a set of technologies here around managing documents that we'll get into, which I think is, again, really important. When you think about security and where your intellectual property is, um, access to applications is one thing, but documents literally are your data. And so they can be one of the most sensitive assets that you have. They're also the things people wanna store in the cloud. They're the things in your company that leak out to Dropbox and other places that your IT security department worries about. So how do you bring that in? How do you make that better managed? Um, DLP here stands for data loss protection or data loss prevention. And there's a set of traditional security technologies that you may have in your own companies um, that do things like help you screen documents that have credit cards or social security numbers or other certain kinds of sensitive data. Um, I'm kind of broadening the definition of that into a new set of technologies that'll allow you to restrict how your applications and your documents are used. And and we'll illustrate this as we go along. So as I mentioned earlier, Citrix Cloud is basically, for the most part, a management layer. And um, for those of you who use Citrix today or administer a Citrix environment, you kind of understand the structure well that you've got a set of Citrix infrastructure, which are things like your delivery controllers, and brokers, and license servers, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And then you have your VDAs, which are virtual desktop appliances, which host your desktops and applications, whether they be Windows or Linux. Um, In the Citrix Cloud environment, we assume the VDAs, those are your applications. You're going to want to continue to manage those tightly and you're going to want to decide where they go because you care from a data sovereignty perspective that they're in a certain country or on a certain cloud or have some kind of security around them. Um, Those management pieces, that's just overhead, and you'd um, you'd rather not deal with that. And so by using Citrix Cloud, you can take care of all of those pieces, and then you can actually have multiple resource locations, whether they be your existing data center, um, multiple AWS regions, or even regions on other public clouds, you can manage them all centrally from one point. And, you know, part of the secret sauce here is what we call the cloud connectors. These basically broker between the different APIs on the different clouds, so if your cloud is an on-prem data center running VMware ESX, which is a set of APIs that we'll use to provision desktops, um, spin up images to them, If it's AWS, we'll talk to the AWS APIs. Um, We can abstract all of that from you, and you can just manage at the Citrix Cloud layer. Um, Another piece of this is SaaS applications. And I'll get in a second into what we're doing here. But um, obviously, Windows applications, at one point, were virtually all of the important corporate applications. an increasingly small percentage, even though I rarely see them disappear. Um, Certainly the lion's share of new applications are web and SaaS. And so we've engineered some specific pieces into the workspace to deliver and manage uh, SaaS applications. And we've pre-built integrations to, I think we're up to about 180 of the top SaaS applications where we've pre-built integrations to them to manage things like single sign-on, instant access from the workspace. So let me show you what this looks like. Now, um, the uh, AWS people very carefully didn't want me to put anybody else's logos in anything. So all of those little things that say like file sharing and 3D design, imagine that says like AutoCAD or something, right? Um, And you'd have the icon for that application. Um, But from an end-user perspective, I come in here and I see, okay, I've got my workspace. Um, I log in here once with my credentials. I'm now single-signed on to everything else in the workspace, so I have instant access to anything that I see. Um, But what's interesting here is, from an end-user perspective, this is really simple. I say, I want to get to my CRM system. I go click on the CRM system, I have access. I want to get to my desktop, I click it, I have access. Document, same thing. But from an IT perspective, you know, in a hybrid multi-cloud world, the complicated part is what's going on behind the scenes. So let's, let's kind of dig this apart. So let's look at you know, my 3D modeling program. Um, I'm running this on-prem on a you know, cluster with an NVIDIA GPU in it doing fancy 3D rendering. Um, and it's running in my existing XenApp farm. Um, I can just publish that to the workspace, and I can use a technology that we call site aggregation to bring in apps from one or more existing ZenApp farms. But then, obviously, we're all at reInvent. Part of what you want to do is you want to start to move applications into AWS. So you target a set of applications that you want to move that meet the you know, security profile and everything else that you think makes sense to move to the cloud, Um, I can go ahead and move those into AWS. Um, Behind the scenes, I can manage them with Citrix Cloud, but I can publish them into the same workspace. So now from an end-user perspective, the fact that my Skype for Business or my Excel are actually hosted in AWS rather than my on-prem infrastructure, I don't know that they moved. I don't care. I just click on them and I get them. And then the last one is my SaaS applications. And I specifically call these um, my secured SaaS applications because the idea here is that we're going to wrap some additional layers of security around them. And I'll kind of get into what that is. Um, Same story with desktops. I could have a desktop on-prem. I could have a desktop in AWS. Um, I might really only bother to have one of them at a time, but I'm just showing that you could have them there. And then the other thing is here is documents. I can have my documents that are hosted on-prem on, say, a a file server or an existing SharePoint site. But I could also have them hosted in AWS. Um, I could have them hosted also in OneDrive for Business. If you're an Office 365 customer, Microsoft's going to push you really hard to store your documents in the cloud. But now if I've got things in multiple places, um, from an end user perspective, how do I keep track of that? Well, the workspace will do it for you. So now let's look at, particularly with these web and SaaS applications, Um, let's take the CRM system. So let's say that I've got my Salesforce, and um, I'm going to click on that, but I've decided this has all my most sensitive customer data in it. And so for this use case, for this user in this environment, I'm going to put some restrictions on what that application can do. So I click on that. Um, This is what's showing you what's going on behind the scenes. So now as an administrator to the workspace, when I go to publish these, I've got a list of pre-built templates that I can select between. Then once I'm going to publish this to the workspace, this is where I get to my options for how I handle enhanced security. And there's a set of options here, basically a set of, um, uh, I'm blanking out on the word that I want, but you basically have a set of rules that you can apply um, that restrict access in certain ways. And so you say, I want to have enhanced security. If I don't check that when I launch that SaaS application from the workspace, it's just gonna do a single sign-on. It's gonna take the default browser on the endpoint, whatever that is, Safari, Chrome, um, and launch that, and you're done. And so we took care of your instant access, all organized in one place, that's great. But if you wanna put enhanced security on it, Um, We're actually going to launch it inside a web browser which is included with the Citrix workspace app. So there's a version of Chrome built into the workspace app um, that's basically a hardened armored browser that can enforce additional security at the endpoint. And so we go ahead and we look at these and you can see we can do things like restrict copy and paste, restrict printing, um, all sorts of things that I can do there that give me the ability to lock down this application in certain environments. So maybe I can browse information, um, but can't copy and paste it out. Um, you know, Things that we're looking at going forward, um, we're gonna add the ability to um, uh, not just put a watermark on, I'll show you what the watermark looks like, which is cool for reminding people something's confidential and tracking it. Um, but we're even gonna add the ability to basically completely restrict screenshotting where you can just lock out part of the screen. Um, but this is, again, going back to the end user view, this is what this would look like. So I've gone ahead. This one's this one would say Workday. Um, uh, so I go ahead and launch Workday. This has got all my HR stuff in it. And I have put watermarks across the top with the user's name marked as confidential. So if somebody takes a picture of this and sends it to the Wall Street Journal. Um, I can track that back. And certainly a lot of it's just reminding people about things like confidentiality on it. Um, Some other things that I can do if I'm fully in control of that environment is I can actually track URLs that you're clicking on. And this is where we start to get into the analytics piece. Um, So certainly one of the things we see as the biggest threat um, in Environments today is things like phishing attacks more than these sort of brute force things. It's things like phishing and spear phishing. Um, In fact, uh, one of my colleagues at Citrix famously now tells a story where um, his father-in-law kept getting um, infected with crummy things on his computers, and um, you know because he would spearfished and people would steal his credentials, Um, and he kept trying to educate his. His father-in-law on this, and his father-in-law kept saying, "No, no, no, I got this." So eventually, he spearfished his father, took all of his credentials, and um, he said he thought it was going to be very educational. In fact, he wound up having to sleep on the couch for a week. But um, but part of this is from a corporate perspective. You want to protect your users from this. You won't. You know, we can educate people all we want. Don't click on these funny links. Don't give out your passwords. But people are pretty good at doing this. So. We have a site rating application and URL rating um, functionality built into the workspace now where let's say you've got um, a case that comes to you from the outside in your CRM tool where somebody's logged a support case, but embedded in that is a malicious URL. Um, We'll trap that malicious URL, we'll restrict the access to it automatically and bounce you back. Finally, just wrapping up this section, let me show you a little bit about how this works under the covers. So over here you see what we have is what we call that secure digital workspace with the Citrix workspace app running in it. Um, In the middle we have some services running inside Citrix Cloud. Um, So we have the analytics service, we have a gateway service, we have an identity provider which is kind of a proxy identity provider. We aren't really an IDP but we're gonna act as one in this scenario. Um, but we're really going to assume you have Active Directory or something else running underneath this, and we're proxying out to that. So let's say, for starters, that you want to log into one of these sanctioned applications, but you want to do SSO to it. So the end user is going to initiate a request from the Citrix Workspace app. It's going to go to Citrix Cloud and say, you know, here I want to get logged in. So it's going to give you um, the authentication give you the um, applications that are available, and initiate that connection up to the sanctioned application. It's going to go check with the IDP, basically coming back and saying, are there those enhanced security restrictions on this? If so, I'm going to go to the management API, and I'm going to open this up. um, And actually, if I don't have those restrictions, I'm just going to open it up in the native browser. The other piece you see here is that I am going to log some of those events to the Citrix Analytics service. Um, We'll get into that in a little bit, but that's going to allow you to track a lot of this end user behavior, which is going to help your security profile. Um, Next one is, let's say you you wind up clicking on something in here that's going to take you to an unknown URL. This is one of those things that might be sketchy. Um, So I'm going to come in here to Citrix Cloud where we have something called the Secure Web Gateway functionality. The SWIG functionality is going to look at that non-sanctioned URL and say, all right, I want to check this out. Um, It actually might come back and say, you know what, this this URL isn't known to be bad, so I'm not going to restrict you from it, but this isn't on the officially sanctioned list, so I'm going to do a little trick here, and I'm going to um, redirect you through what's called the secure browser service. So we host a set of browsers um, inside Citrix Cloud um, and publish those browsers virtualized. And um, then basically what you do is get that opened up inside a virtualized browser. So none of the browser, none of the JavaScript, nothing else that could be like maliciously hacking into your system is actually running on your system. All you're seeing is a virtualized remote image of that browser. And Then the last one is let's say I want to get to one of these applications So I want to go to my CRM application, but I don't have the Citrix workspace app installed We don't want to get in people's way of the way that they do their job So if I you know, I'm on a system. I don't have the app installed. I want to get to my application I don't want to block you from doing that But I do want to enforce my security policies and I can't do that without my armored browser so I start from my standard browser, say I'm running Safari on a Mac, and I go to log into my CRM system, but it's got enhanced security restrictions. When I go to log into that, we're going to have set up that SaaS application to use us as that proxy IDP. Um, So the identity provider, it's going to check in and say, okay, this person's allowed to log in, um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to redirect that through the secure browsing service and so again that secure browsing service is the armored browser so it has all the capabilities to restrict copy and paste do watermarking turn off printing all of that's available to you so as you set up those policies um, you can go ahead and still have them enforced no matter what somebody's using as an entry point point. and still get all of that information logged to the analytics service that's the cas so summing it all up here, this gateway functionality from inside Citrix Cloud is going to allow you to get SSO one-click access to your Windows applications, your Linux and Windows desktops. Um, it's going to allow you to get access to all of your files. Um, and now your SaaS and web applications, no matter where those are getting published from. So I mentioned earlier the idea of analytics. and. The idea that as your security perimeter dissolves, um, you need a new way to look at how you're going to secure that environment. Just having a a big moat built around your castle, um, that's not going to cut it anymore because your environment's too distributed for that. So really what you need to be doing is watching your users, um, not just for malicious behavior, but also for careless behavior and all of these other things. So all of these events, for starters, we'll get logged from the Workspace app into what we call the analytics service. Um, These are just the SaaS ones. We have ones for um, files, mobile applications, virtual desktop applications. Um, So this is what this looks like from an administrator perspective. So let's say um, from an admin perspective, I have my end users, and I want to... I wanna keep track of what they're doing, but I can't keep track of them because there's one of me and there's 10,000 of them. This is where you need help from artificial intelligence. So the Citrix Analytics service, when you turn it on, will start to baseline your users and your organizations for what kind of behaviors are normal, what kinds of behaviors are acceptable. Um, It comes pre-trained with a lot of data around just what's normal in general organizations, but it's gonna build up an individualized profile for all of your users and for each one of them, it's going to create a risk score that is dynamically updated minute by minute. And if that risk score dramatically changes, you can trigger policies that automatically will enforce behaviors, um, or you could just it could be as simple as notifying um, your security team or your administration team. And I'll give you a real world example. When we started you know, doing the eat your own dog food thing um, back at the beginning of the year before we shipped the service, Um, I'm based out of California. I had a customer meeting in Denver, and so at 8 a.m. I'm in California in my office. I run across the street to the airport, I hop on a plane, I fly to Denver, and I go to the Starbucks to check on some things before I go to the customer site. And I start getting Slack messages from some of the guys working on this team going, hey, Steve, what are you doing? And You know, long story short, I popped up to the top of a watch list because I'd magically transported 1,500 miles, I was in a city they'd never seen me on before, on an unsecured Wi-Fi network, accessing some highly confidential information. It was all stuff I was entitled to have, I had all the right passwords, it was me. Um, But that was the kind of thing that you might want to check out. And so that was the kind of behaviors that you'll start to see. Um, this enable, um, you know, going forward, there really the sky's the limit on these things. You know, we've started to see research where you can actually, with a pretty high degree of certainty, establish the identity of a user by the way they type. Um, so these ideas that we're just you know going to continue to use passwords forever as our main security line of defense, um, you're going to see a lot more biometrics. Um, some of them very non-traditional ones like how you type is going to wind up being a biometric. Um, certainly things like Um, voice recognition, facial recognition, all of those are gonna come into play as well. So you know, the basic idea here is that we have all of these, all this data on the endpoint, we can collect that together, we can categorize it, we run it through these machine learning models. It's very similar to what the financial companies do with your credit card transactions. When they're looking for fraud, we're using very similar algorithms to look through what your end users are doing. Um, on the access security side, again, we talked about you know people clicking on nefarious URLs and things like that. If we see various interesting um, things spike up there, um, sites people are going to, they're getting blocked, um, we can actually see what's going on and we can dig back into that, um, find out maybe there was an email sent out with a bad link, maybe there's something embedded somewhere. So to sum up this section. Um, We do think that we've moved from a place where perimeter security, um, certainly there's a place for it. You're not going to get rid of your existing firewalls, but you need to start to think about security from a user perspective, from an end user centric perspective. So start to think about your users, the cloud of devices that they're going to have, that they're going to be accessing things from. And then all of the applications that they're going to be accessing, whether those are Windows, SaaS, web, or mobile applications. And I didn't have enough time to get deep into what we're doing on mobile, but it's very similar to what you were seeing with some of the other um, applications. And so the Citrix Workspace app also runs on your iOS and Android phones. Um, So with that, I am going to turn it over to Marissa. And she's gonna take you through um, kind of a deep dive on the networking side about how you can use Citrix technologies to set up these hybrid cloud environments. There you go.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. As uh, he mentioned about, Citrix really uh, is about delivering the app. And we know that very well. Uh, And we know that to deliver it securely. And lastly, uh, we also have the networking pieces. So this is the part that I'll go through because we can do this. We're from AWS infrastructure to in a, in a hybrid environment, right? So let's start with um, the problem. So actually, I was in um, Peru two months ago, and then a few weeks ago I was in Shanghai. Last week I was in Germany. In all cases, uh, there's traffic everywhere, right? Traffic wherever you go. So, uh, and what's 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 the same across all of them is is that you want to have the best path to get to your destination. And in order to get that uh, best path, you usually have your apps, right? And so in this case. Um, the problem with us with going in multi-hybrid cloud environment is that now you do not have that visibility of what's happening when you're in the different clouds, right? And you don't have the health um, information or the data health information for that different ISP or whatnot in that environment. But you're still in charge as an IT admin to know what's happening and to provide the best user experience for that customer. So then we as Citrix with our solution, we provide that that uh, last mile visibility from what Steve mentioned on the user behavior from the beginning from the client side. Now you can see it as well from collectively across the different cloud environments and providing this for uh, and giving the next best route for that customer no matter what cloud they are in to really give that best experience. So that's really such as ways using the ways on their um, phone. It's really using ways across the different cloud environment. That's really our biggest differentiation from a Citrix networking solution is using the AWS as well as the ADC. Application Delivery Controller are formerly known as NetScaler. And and integrating that with the Citrix ITM, Intelligent Traffic Management, really gives that agility that customers are looking for uh, with intelligent routing. Okay, so that's what we are gonna do uh, and go through and also a demo. So Citrix ITM is actually our, Acquisition that we did a few months ago. Uh, Sedexis was the former name and now is Citrix ITM service. It's a service to provide the, uh, the, determine all the data points of what's happening to the different environments across the world. It's actually going through 15 billion data points per day and 900 million uh, user sessions, right? And it's actually growing uh, and collectively providing and determining all the actual latency for that user, no matter where they're at. So this is where you can really determine as as our customers go on-prem to the cloud. How do they ensure the IT admin can still have the provide the best experience for the uh, for their customers? And that is really giving that experience with. Citrix ADC is still doing the load balancing on-prem and then global load balancing into the cloud, such as AWS and having that integration with GSLB, global server load balancing into the GLB of the AWS. So those are the type of things that we wanna provide and give you that best experience. So how we're gonna do this demo is we'll start first with this, um, the uh, actual, a uh, slide so you know what's, what I'm gonna do and then go into the actual demo. So what we have is the, the, the on-prem in the bottom, the corporate data center with the Citrix ADC GSLB. Can be the hardware, the MPX, the SDX is the multi-tenant or the virtual appliance, the VPX. If you just have a software environment and doing that um, on-prem, Uh, Some customers wanna always have something on-prem, right? Because not everything goes to the Cloud because of security, compliance for whatever reasons that they they need to have that data on-prem for JDPR, whatnot. So those are the type of things uh, that customers worry about. So then we'll always have some that customers will have corporate data center. Then it goes to the AWS Cloud that supports the ELB auto-scaling actually uh, with Citrix ADC GSLB uh, unique integration into the um, ELB environment. So that's really where we can provide that uh, global load balancing on-prem as well into the cloud. So then what happens is that users can access to either one to the on-prem or in the cloud of those applications that that you wanna have and then have that ability to see that last mile connectivity. If there's an issue, it goes bad. Uh, this is when ITM uh, uh, based on a user behavior, latency, page load, all those information to provide that um, data and gives it back to the Citrix ADC using the Nitro API and the constant communication between the two and gain that visibility. So then Citrix ADC can get the best uh, 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 metrics to provide whether it's to go on-prem or when it goes bad, it goes to the AWS cloud, right? So that's really the the end-to-end of what I'm gonna show, but now we're getting to the to the demo part which is important to share because um, our our team spent a lot of time on it and I wanna make sure we, we highlight as well. Um, and it went well in my session in the keynote um, in Germany last week and I thought it'd be a good highlight to do here. So then the next slide will go through the actual recording <coughs> uh, and hopefully I know how to do it here. <laughs> So, so this is where you have the on-prem into the cloud, right? In the different hybrid multi-cloud environment. And here's what I want to highlight is that the ADM, the Citrix Application Delivery Management is actually doing the central console for orchestration, uh, as well as management and analytics. And what it's doing is can communicate to the different cloud environments. Okay, so you'll see that um, application that towards a different cloud. So, as Steve was mentioning, as you move more apps to the cloud, you can then, um, uh, however you like to do that, you can still have that visibility of, of and orchestrate and manage all this different environment. And you can have a VPX on those environment, and you can have this dashboard and the uh, app ADM piece, Right, Um, and this ADM piece it will show the infrastructure area um, as well as the app is goes the visibility of the different apps that's happening there. And uh, and then it will also see uh, which data centers and AWS and so forth and uh, what's happening and what services there are in the different data centers. So that's what you're seeing here. Then you um, can you can then set up custom policies based on the information from the ITM, and you will see uh, the different things you can do with the ADM. Then continue. Then in the ITM piece, in the ITM piece, you can then see the current architecture and and where what's happening uh, in which data centers is actually better. So you see the green, the red, the yellow. So you'll see that the East Coast U.S. is actually better in, ter- in terms of where the information and, and where the, the uh, best performance is at currently. And East Coast uh, one, East Coast, EC2 is what you're seeing there, right? And, and then uh, don't go to China because you know, it's red right now, right? So those kind of things is what you'll see in the actual ITM service. Uh, and this gi- gives then that user latency by region. It gives the, the page load. So it's not just the user latency. It's page loads of, of what's happening as you load that page. If it takes too slow, uh, too slow it gives you all that information here. Uh, And from there It goes then to the to that different environment To see which is the best path Uh, And then and then it will based on that give that information to the Citrix ADC uh, and that Citrix ADC then provides that next step as it connects to to the cloud native, into the AWS, it actually has that integration with outer scale, the AWS SNS. It does that information so that it knows when to do the 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 outer scale uh, it, when you include us, uh, is scaling in, or if you need to scale out. Okay, so it has it has that communication with uh, SNS. And then it also has the, uh, the Route 53 with GSLB, uh, tight integration, so the GSLB with uh, ADC, and the NLB integration tied to multiple availability zones, okay, for that NLB. And Lambda ties into the AWS API. So in this, different integration pieces can then have the best high availability across the different cloud environments and, and have it in multiple uh, environments and, and give you the best uh, experience for those apps. So now we're gonna go through, once it go, goes through that integration, through that uh, um, ADM, it's doing all this communication, right? Then you can do the front outer scale. Uh, with the AWS using the ADM, and it can even have the create that that out of scale group creation very uh, a few clicks only on the ADM piece, and uh, it gives you all the parameters that you need to, to update. And then here you can even see the CPUs usage uh, and how and what level when you, you want to do the out of scale in or out of scale out is the details here and also it gives, gives you the TTL as well. So the DNS TTL when you really wanna do that res- resolution and so forth and how fast you wanna do that, you can do that here. Then uh, after that's done, it goes through that, that cre- completion of that, creation of the group and then making everything easy with our style books. So now you can add more as you wish and a multi-cloud environment using the style book for AWS uh, with ADM, uh, making it easy for that management and deployment. Then from there we have the simplification of the style book just to highlight and different global load balancing, all the different methods that we do whether it's server or, lo- or global. We have it there, and you can even scale out. You actually know when you need to scale out and add a new uh, cluster in node by actually seeing the graph on when you want to cluster, scale in when there's too much, there's not not too many uh, CPUs left. So then the ITM also gives the information on the configuration, the platform, the location details, right? Um, gives you that site writing per user app uh, from, you know, from statistics perspective. And with that, I think that's finishing up my session. And here's what I also highlight here Uh, With the open mix dashboard of the ITM and radar you can see when uh, one uh, there's a uh, uh, There's one that went down so you can see that it it ramps up a new one quickly without having to do anything So that's an important piece for high availability perspective that it actually uh, can set it up quickly and know to turn on and then uh, from there, I think that it completes my slide. So, so really, um, my highlight here, as Steve mentioned, with Citrix providing that app delivery and really know well how do we do our deliver the apps, and that is our focus. Now, with the with the, uh, Citrix ADC, in terms of networking, providing that application across the different clouds environment and using the ITM to do that last mile in terms of user latency and, and information so really provide the best experience, now we can uh, provide that end-to-end solution for our customers, so that is our Citrix story. Any questions? So that we gave three minutes so that we can have some Q&A.
0: Anything? I'm sorry? Steve, Steve asked one of the slides that, yeah, gravity. Oh, okay. So data gravity is the idea that data and applications like to be near other data. So if you have a lot of data, say in your data center, petabytes and petabytes of data, it's hard to move your applications elsewhere. And so there's a natural attraction there, and it's one of the reasons it's hard to move things to the cloud, and it's one of the reasons that people pick hybrid architectures. we got time for one more question.
1: Yep. It's your time.
0: Hey, again, everybody, thanks for coming out early this morning and thanks for sticking through the whole thing. It was awesome to have you here. And we do have a booth if yes. um, two, six, there are other three, questions. 2633. Number
1: 2633.
0: Stop by. You can see more versions yes. of these demos as well as some other ones get in depth. There's a bunch of product experts there who can answer yes. questions for you. Thanks everybody. Yes,
1: thank you.